Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco host of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast with my man Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. This is episode 374. Tonight we're going to be talking about the AFC free agency, but we're going to have a different spin on it than last week. We're going to actually do this backwards, which means we're not going to talk about the players and the team they went to. We're actually going to talk about the teams they vacated and what that means for the rest of the players. We also have a very, very special guest tonight that we've been trying to get on for, frankly, a couple of years, but the seasons have been uh, very busy, and uh, frankly, one of the busiest men in the fantasy football industry is on the program tonight. You know him as Smitty. You can find him everywhere at the Fantasy Football Show. Before we bring on Smitty, Bobby, can you give a quick preview on the idea behind this show? Well, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that Last year, like, big Stephon Diggs was this big free agent splash, goes to Buffalo, has a monster year, but we forget that he left Minnesota, and sure enough, Adam Thielen had a bounce-back season, and, and Justin Jefferson was able to fill that void because of the vacated targets he left. Same thing with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller than Brandon Cooks. So it's just a good way to just find other values in fantasy, and we always talk about continuity. So these guys are staying at those same spots, and they could be looking at a target bump because a big name leaves. So that's kind of the focus of this episode, to find the guys that could really benefit from additional targets that are vacated by guys who left the free agency. Fantastic. Without any further ado, let's bring in our good friend, Smitty. Smitty, my man, it is so nice to have you on the program finally, brother. How are you doing? Welcome yourself to the TCK pod. We've been in touch for a couple of seasons, but somehow this is the first time that you're actually on the program, man. So it's really a blessing to have you tonight, and uh, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Just staying busy. Um, been going nonstop today. So uh, what's one more show? Yeah. <laughs> right. You are uh, you are legitimately one of the busiest, busiest men in, in fantasy football industry, man. I know you have a, a very deep story, many links, many connections. We will cover that another time because we want to get right into this. But please let our fans our followers the tck potters know where they can find you directly if they want to follow your content and aren't already yeah so the best place would be uh smitty1.com that's got the links to everything i do i'm i've got my hands on a lot of fires um my the fantasy football show brand you could get to my youtube channel by going to the fantasy football show.com um or smitty1.com we'll we'll link to it show the most recent show uh but that's 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 basically where you can find me um you know i'm on every audio podcast platform um i just launched ironically my my new show today on my youtube channel so i upload a video pretty much every day i do live streams i mock draft all the time uh, i do a ton of live streams i'm on ig all the time doing live streams but this show is different it's a you know like a network feeling type show um you know i built a a, a part over in my studio here that's specific to this one single show i don't do any other work in that area it's a three-hour show. It's eventually going to be Monday through Friday, three hours long. It's news. It's call-ins. It's guests. It's you know, it's all anything that you would want to have in like a, a network type feel show uh, for fantasy football and the NFL and sports in general. You know, something big's going on in the sports world. I'm I'm going to cover it. And so I kicked that show off today. Three hours it went great. Flew by. Um, I've been doing live lives and interviews since. But uh, you know, what's like I said, what's one more? Um, it's my, my time. It's eight. 8 13 p.m. I still got some some hours to burn, but yeah, find oh, me at smitty1.com and we'll you'll have a good time watching uh, all the, the live streams I got going on. Love it. Where are you broadcasting from right now? Uh you mean state? Yeah. Yeah, Arizona, Phoenix. 
Arizona, oh, nice. Phoenix, Arizona. All right. Bobby's in San Diego, California. I'm in Eugene, Oregon. A rare triple West Coast time slot, uh, Pacific time. Most of the people we do this is uh, Midwest or East Coast. So it's great to have you on yeah. a uh, nice, nice, beautiful Tuesday evening. All right, brother. We appreciate your time, man. Let's dive into this. We got a lot to cover. So Bobby and I went through the AFC and the NFC last week, and we covered the AFC breakdowns. We talked about all the players that came into the new teams, but we kept prefacing that we were going to get into a new show that was fantasy free agency backward. And what that means is, again, talking about the teams that they vacated and those players in those positions like a Justin Jefferson, who now has the opportunity to flourish because Stephon is uh, uh, Stephon Diggs is gone. So let's jump right into it, man. We're going to start here. We're going to do alphabetical once again. Again, not all these players and teams necessarily uh, sexy and fruitful for fantasy football, but we are going to cover everybody uh, a little bit longer on some, shorter on others. We'll jive right into us. Bobby, I'll let you kick this one off, and then we'll divert to Smitty. Sammy Watkins, one-year, uh, $6 million deal, signs with Baltimore. Let's talk about, though, Demarcus Robinson and Miko Hardman uh, of the Chiefs because, of course, again, Sammy Watkins comes over from the Chiefs to the Ravens. We're not talking about the Ravens. We're talking about the Chiefs. How do we feel now about Demarcus Robinson and Miko Hardman? Well, the good news is we've kind of, we have kind of we kind of know a lot about Sammy Watkins not being on the field because he's been off the field so many games in the last couple seasons. So we ought, one thing I noticed right away is that Marcus Robinson immediately benefited the most on the field, seeing a huge bump in targets. And the games without uh, with Sammy Watkins, he's at 2.9. He jumps up to 4.6. Now, that still makes him kind of a fringe wide four, but the thing is if he's more consistent, gets more practice reps with Patrick Mahomes, and he's in that starting role full-time – he could probably take another step. He's still relatively young as well. Miko Harmon, I think he kind of fits more as a like a Tyreek Hill handcuff in that sense that he kind of fits better in that role. So I think Demarcus Robinson is probably the one guy that benefits the most. But I do I don't want to overlook Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I think this kind of locks in their targets because Sammy Watkins was on the field. He is more of a presence than those other players. So I think Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are going to get a slight bump from this as well because those other targets are not necessarily as reliable as Sammy Watkins has been over his career. Smitty, anything to add on the uh, Chiefs, basically third and fourth options? Um, you know, it's tough. It's it's guesswork at this point which wide receiver is going to benefit. I do like Robinson a lot, um, but you know, tough tough to to say. I think Muko Harmon's probably the most likely to get an opportunity whether he capitalizes on that or not it's another factor but um he's quick he's speedy i, I think they, they want to get that speed out on the field as much as possible in open space but i think it, it also you know in a small way because i don't i don't know that watkins commanded so much attention i mean the targets will be vacated and spread out so i think i think clyde Edwards alaire maybe gets a little a little epr action finally in 2021 and i think that these rookies coming in with COVID and not not having the the offseason prep work that they should have had and learning the playbook and pass protection keeps you off the field uh, during during the season more than it, than it would in a different offseason. So I think maybe he learns a lot more about the playing that role with this offense and he absorbs some targets and and maybe becomes that 55, 60 reception mm-hmm. running back that he could be in this offense. Now, nothing's for sure for sure. Clyde, you know, failed a lot of people last year. I think recency bias is going to make people stay away from him. But out of all the players on this chief roster, the the only one guy that feels completely undervalued is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And and anytime someone leaves and vacates targets, I'm I'm excited about that for him. And, and he makes a fine like mid third round pick, and maybe falls further. I agree. I agree. And as you mentioned, big expectations for CEH last year fell short a little bit, but Le'Veon Bell's gone. They get rid of Damian Williams as well. Maybe there's some more targets there with Sammy Watkins leaving as well. Smitty, why don't you keep going, brother? Let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders, 34 years old, a little long in the tooth, but has been productive, been on many competitive teams. Most recently, the Saints, he's got a one-year $6 million deal with Buffalo now. Maybe fills in for John Brown. We'll see if they're not really the same receivers, but John Brown vacates, of course. But let's talk about Michael Thomas now, Traquan Smith, and maybe Marquez, Marquez Calloway. Um, Traquan Smith, we know, is kind of a guy in fantasy that we're hoping for in DFS weekly, but rarely gets the opportunity. Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas. But Marquez Calloway had a couple quality weeks last year as well. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure who's going to – I mean, Traquan's obviously the, the, the lead dog to get – uh, you know the most targets in that from from the vacation of of both Cook and and uh, um, 
Sanders, but I don't, I, I think, I think the saints are going to look a lot different this year. And when we talk about vacated targets, I don't necessarily, it's, I don't just think there's going to be targets to be had. I, I think they're not going to throw as much. Um, and that's going to come down to, I think, using Taysom Hill a lot more than people expect. Winston's supposed to be the starter. Everybody thinks he's going to get the nod because he's getting this kind of starter money. But everybody's overlooking this, yes, voidable contract each year, but a hundred and what, $40 million deal, I think, for Taysom Hill. That tells right. you that they're confident in that he could be the guy. They throw a lot less probably in a Taysom Hill led attack. They're probably going to lean to the run. I don't know if anybody noticed, but Alvin Kamara was running between the tackles a little more than normal coming out of 2020. Does that is that a tell that they're going to change the offense up a little bit and, and give Kamara more run up the middle? So I don't know that there will be any vacated targets. They just may, they may throw a whole lot less. And then Michael Thomas is supposed to have surgery on on I believe two ligaments. Um, and, and, and hasn't yet, there isn't word on it at least. And so you got to wonder like, what's going to happen with MT? Does that then open the door for someone like Smith to come in and have a much bigger year than you expect? Tough to say, uh, Mike Thomas, where do you guys even value him in like a redraft setting? Is he second round material to you still, or is he dropped into the third round? Cause I feel like, you know, he's a big unknown walking into 2020 and he's either a value grab at like 3.5. 3.4, you know, something like that, or he's a reach and a big risk at like 2.8. So it's it depends where you get him. Bobby, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's just the Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill question, right? I think to me, Winston, if he's the starter, I actually feel confident in Michael Thomas being a top 10 wide receiver. We saw between like the four or five year period with Mike Evans, he hyper targeted Evans at nine and a half targets per game so he's been known to lock on to an elite number one wide receiver now I understand Michael Thomas and Mike Evans are different types of receivers but with that I think the biggest thing with Sanders leaving is you're right Traquan Smith has not been consistent Callaway's an unknown Harris is an unknown I think it just hyper focuses to Michael Thomas so I think to answer your question if it's Taysom Hill I think you I would only feel comfortable in the third but if it is going to be Jameis Winston and we think he's going to be the starter and kind of run like a Drew Brees versus the Taysom Hill, what he was last couple of years. I think I would take Thomas in the second round. Well, here's what I think kind of happens with that though. I, I think they roll both of them out and they're going to roll them out a little differently than they, they did last year, because I think again, the contract 140 million, again, I understand voidable each year, but you don't offer that someone as a fake promise just to get them to sign for a year. Like they have some hope. Even if it's a uh, you know not they don't trust him that much they make it voidable some hope that he's going to be the future and so I firmly believe that they will if they do choose Winston which I don't think is a foregone conclusion it'll be from the twenty to the twenty and more so than we've ever seen before inside the twenties is Taysom Hill territory what that does to Winston's confidence what that does to Winston's production what it does to the game flow which all the momentum will be in Taysom Hill's corner because where is Taysom Hill dominant at between yeah. inside the twenties? He's not going to fail at his part of his job. All the pressure is going to be on Winston, you know, from the 20 to the 20. And I think if anybody is going to have, you know, that looking over their shoulder type of thing going on, it's Winston. And, and, and I just think that at some point this turns into a, let's see if Taysom Hill is our guy. And keep in mind, when Breeze went down, they did plug Winston in, but only because they weren't prepping Taysom Hill to be the starter yet. He couldn't even walk into the starting gig, the the game during you know mid game when Breeze went down. They waited until the the next week, prepared Taysom Hill, plugged him in, and and rolled with him. So I I don't know why everybody's so quick to think that Winston, and I'm not saying this to you, but in general why they're so quick to say Winston's the guy they want. You hear all these reports from pretty connected people saying they want Winston to be the starter. Then why on earth would you roll with Hill and give Taysom a $140 million deal? I just feel like it's kind of a messy situation. And if the quarterback position is successful on one level or the other, they don't make a big mess out of this whole thing. Um, Maybe Kamara gets more than 81, 81, 81, 83. That's his you know, typical number. Maybe he does get more. Maybe they learn to throw to him more. I don't know. But I think the Saints are, are really, really tough to predict um, in terms of their 
what they're going to do in 2021, what direction they're going to go. And they could be, they could have a really, really bad year or they right. could have just, you know, a, a solid year with some craziness going on at the quarterback position. But there's no way this is consistent all year. There's going to be all kinds of I agree. QB I, musical chairs going on. I, I agree. And even if, even if Jameis Winston is the guy, we know that Taysom Hill is going to have his role regardless. So Taysom Hill will be busy doing auxiliary offensive weapon stuff. Even if, uh, Jameis is that guy. All right, Bobby, I'm going to have you squeeze uh, two situations here together. Let's start with Jacob Hollister. Again, not a, you know, not a huge name in fantasy, but signing a one-year, uh, $1 million in um, Buffalo. Uh, Greg Olson probably retired, but Will Disley and Gerald Everett maybe having an opportunity here uh, with Seattle. Why don't you start with that one and then also kick it off to Mark Ingram now in Houston. Well, the thing with Gerald Everett going to Seattle to replace or Jacob Hollister and Greg Olson's targets necessarily, it's more of a Shane Waldron coming from the L.A. Rams, now the O.C. for Seattle. I think Gerald Everett has a unique situation where he actually understands the offense coming in better than the incumbent players. Um, now, I don't know necessarily if either of these guys, who's going to be the starters. They, they did say recently Will Disley could be the starter, and he right now is the number one on the roster. Um, now, whoever wins out, though, I would be technically interested because last season it really was a narrow focus on Metcalf and Lockett. And then there was a bunch of guys between 40 plus between 40 and 50 targets. And that's Hollister, Olsen, Disley, D uh, David Moore. But a lot of it had to do with injury. Olsen got hurt a uh, for a couple games. And I think that if Gerald Everett or Will Disley can win this job outright, they could probably fall into low end tight end one value because Currently on the roster, there isn't a true number three wide receiver behind Metcalf and a um, and, and Lockett to replace David Moore. So the, the tight end position could fall into more targets. But also this could be good news for Chris Carson. We see do see a correlation between tight end targets and running back targets. And if they, for example, decide, you know what, we're just going to start passing the ball more to Chris Carson, that could be a thing too. Carlos hides out the door, which we'll touch on a little bit. So it could be another impact for him. But I also finally like to always touch on it does lock in Metcalf and lock it into solid target projections for next year because there's going to be enough vacated targets to supply Everett. And he comes in, he can take the targets that are being left by a guy like Hollister and uh, Greg Olson. Uh, as for Mark Ingram, I, I don't really, you know, my thing with Ingram is that he, you know, David Cully, comes in and I think he's just kind of his guy comes from Baltimore and he comes in and he's playing with David Johnson and Lindsay. And I think it's just a crowded backfield, you know, and we'll touch on this too, because Duke Johnson's a free agent as well and has not been re-signed. I think, you know, Mark Ingram isn't the passing game presence that Duke Johnson is. So does that mean David Johnson gets a little target bump because Duke's gone in they're replacing with guys like Lindsay and Mark Ingram? I think it's kind of just too hard. I don't think Mark Ingram's going to make much of an impact when he left, actually left Baltimore, for example, though, I think it's really important to realize that Dobbins and Gus Edwards still split work. I mean, yes, Dobbins was a little bit more involved in the passing game, but they actually kind of split work down the middle in the red zone, inside the five. And right now in best ball 1080p, which I know is really like early, early, but you know, Dobbins is going as a second round pick, third round pick, and Gus Edwards is going in the double digit round. So it was more of a split than I think a lot of people think. I know Dobbins going into his second year has the most upside. I know Ingram leaving kind of shores up that backfield a little bit. But I think it means that Gus Edwards could fall into some flex value, especially because he's going to get double-digit uh, carries every week. Smitty, any uh, comments quickly on the situation of Buffalo at tight end or Mark Ingram? If not, we'll move on to Philip Lindsay. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not, not too excited here. I think, you know, uh, it'd be interesting if Buffalo got pits, uh, you know, or if, if, you know, I, I want pits to land in a, a place with a good quarterback, you know, they have the 30th pick. So they're well, going to have to move up. way the a, hell up. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a trade up. I <laughs> think, I, um, I think Cincy Philly, you know, Dallas could even potentially go in that direction. There's a lot of teams that they're, there's a, there's a slew of picks. Uh, let's see. Let me pull up the NFL draft order real quick. So it'd be from, um, Dallas at 10, Giants at 11, Philly at 12, and Chargers. Imagine him playing with Herbert at 13. He could go earlier than that. So, yeah, Buffalo would have to move up. But I hope that – I feel like there's a really good shot that he lands in a place with a good quarterback situation. Um, so, Pitts would be I, – I don't have anything to add. I mean, especially Ingram. I, I mean, he 
there's a reason he moved on there. They moved on from him. He just doesn't have it anymore. You, running backs lose his steps so quickly. Yeah. And, and I think it's just a mess in Houston, just absolute disaster. If they, if they don't, if they don't figure out a backup quarterback situation, and if, if Watson keeps trending in the direction that I think this is going to go, this right. Watson situation, this could be the first ever zero and 17 uh, team in, in, in the NFL because of the extra right. game that we got. So, um, you don't think they can get a win with Tyrod? No, I don't know. <laughs> I think I maybe, think they're a mess. maybe a win, but I I hear you there. Yeah, um, any he's... any comments quickly on Philip Lindsay? We pretty much covered the Houston backfield, but he also moved there. Twenty seven years old, couple years in Denver, did quite well. I mean, he was a bit beat up last year behind Marking or Marking Melvin Gordon, excuse me. Um, but back to back thousand yard uh, seasons after being a UDFA out of Colorado, so quite even quite impressive him. for Philip Lindsay. I wouldn't Fair even enough. draft him, um, you know, in, unless it's a super deep league. Uh, it's just a cloudy, a cloudy situation that's not even that good to begin with, you know. So I, I don't, you know, if you own David Johnson and you have like running back depth or, or, or extra spots, maybe you cuff him. But I can't imagine myself. There are too many other players. Uh, I couldn't imagine myself drafting Lindsey or even Ingram in twenty twenty one. Just depends on the league size, though. Fair so enough. do you think what do you guys think about Melvin Gordon? I think with Lindsey leaving and Mike Boone coming in, uh, I think it kind of maybe solidifies Melvin Gordon's spot a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I did I just think that you know his best ball Middle ADP RB right too. now is like yeah, it's like outside the two first two rounds. It's actually RB twenty five, which it seems it seems really low for Melvin Gordon. But that's where a would good you guys floor. be to- That's a that's a good floor, and I think it's appropriate. I just don't know that he has the upside that he used to with the chargers and honestly without what was it two or three runs over 60 yards last year on busted plays i'm not sure that he has uh he has that upside anymore and denver just straight up doesn't run an offense that features the running back in the pass game uh we've seen that i mean you know royce freeman is a decent pass catcher they don't use him philip Lindsay wasn't the pass catcher and uh melvin gordon as well so it's just and we don't know what's going to happen at quarterback there anyway so i i mean i'm i'm probably not going to end up with uh any of these Houston running backs and most likely not Melvin Gordon either. You know who I love on Denver though, that, that, you know, everyone's going to pretend they, they love the entire time, this entire off season. If they get a good quarterback and there's Jerry Cortland Judy. Sutton. Oh, Jerry, Jerry. Judy. <laughs> I was going to say no offense. So we're all over the place. Yeah, yeah we're, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a Jerry number of Judy. weapons. If they can get somebody in there, Jerry Judy is, is such a good route runner and, and he's so impressive. And there, there are, there are NFL players that have, when asked the question, who's the toughest wide receiver to, to, to guard, they've said Jerry Judy, and he only had one year to prove that and didn't even have that great of a year when you when you get overshadowed by Lamb and especially Justin Jefferson. But in, in Dynasty and Redraft, whatever, this guy, you pay, you don't pay anything close to top 10 wide receiver numbers, top 12, right. whatever, but he could deliver that kind of production. And, and I know you like Sutton by the, by the answer, but Sutton – feels very capped. There's like a governor on his value. Like he can only, in my opinion, do so well with a Jerry Judy sitting there. And it's a shame because Sutton did have low end wide receiver one potential, but I feel like it's going to be Jerry Judy's team, but that's a debate. You can debate that Sutton's very, very talented. I liked him a lot coming out of college, but I I do, I do uh, another time to save time. I do want to, I do want to get with you on that. I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't disagree at all about Jerry Judy. The kid's a stud. Clearly had the opportunity last year. Dropped way too many balls. If he catches half of the drops that he had, he's got a way better season. But it's rookie stuff, whatever. Cortland Sutton, of course, goes down early last season. But, man, Cortland Sutton's a beast, too. If they get somebody in there that can handle all those weapons. And Bobby mentioned Fant as well. They got Albert O coming back. Um, a lot of KJ, uh, Hamler. You know, KJ Hamler. Exactly. Yeah. Don't have a lot of opportunity there. Don't be shocked if the if the Broncos try and grab that two pick and, and try and nagel that away from a, a New York Jets football team that, that for for whatever reason wants to. to what would they have to give up Darnold. to do that? That would I don't I mean, know, but they, they want to try and believe in Darnold. They've been they've been inching you know in both directions yeah. back and forth, and I feel like if there's any anybody susceptible uh, of going up and grabbing one of those top four quarterbacks. I think Mac Jones is probably out of the top five now after his pro day today, throwing mm. those hamburgers all over the place. But I agree, or, or Big Macs. But but I think um, 
little Mac. I'm just kidding. Mac Jones has still got potential in the right spot, but yeah, he'll be but, on my Niners. I'm not stoked about it, but we can. No, on. he won't be. You guys are taking Fields or Lance, but <sighs> don't get unless, me excited, dude. You what? Don't get me excited. Yeah, I no, I don't want to give. The, the, you know, I don't know how much you follow my Instagram, but I, you know, I'm always on those Niner quad box like mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure if you watch that, but it's consensus from the community uh, that it's fields. Trip. You're, you're, you're yeah. drafting fields according to that community. And, and I think Lance is the only other potential option. But if a team like Denver comes up and disrupts things, maybe they take fields. Maybe they take fields could, could have climbed to number two on a lot of teams draft boards after today's pro day. And so that impossible scenario where the Niners get Wilson is potentially there if disruption if disruption happens. And if Denver gets a quarterback, especially if they draft uh, Wilson, who I think could be a top five quarterback, L- Trevor Lawrence and Wilson are elite, and I think shoulders above, uh, head and shoulders above the the other quarterbacks mm-hmm. in this class. Not that they can't develop into like six to ten type guys. I think you know. Lance could or Fields could. I'm not. I'm not banking on it. But Wilson and Lawrence, the teams that get these guys, are going to have, uh, you know, a, a dynasty built around these guys. And I think it, that if if Jerry Judy has a quarterback like that, you're going to see him in everybody's top ten to twelve uh, in dynasty moving forward. But we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. It's a total kind of like bold prediction, but I just feel like someone's going to disrupt at that number two pick. Broncos have got Broncos have got the number nine right now, so that would take them seven moves. The Panthers also looking for a quarterback. The Falcons at number four could make a uh, could make a move as well, looking for somebody behind Matt Ryan. The Niners, of course, move up to three. If you're on YouTube, uh, you can see the updated draft schedule uh, with the Niners, Dolphins, and Eagles having some big draft picks um, swaps over this last week. But one through twelve: uh, Jags, Jets, Niners, Falcons, Bengals, Dolphins. Lions, Panthers, Broncos, and uh, Cowboys, Giants, and Eagles now. So it'll be very interesting to see what these guys are actually able to do because there's a lot of moving parts, as Smitty mentioned. All right, guys, let's can jump I, can into I just it. Have one thing too, though. Yeah, yeah. Remember sure. the, Shan- the Shanahan's are the team moved up to get RG three, and they sure. saw the value in having that mobile quarterback. And Shanahan's talked about that recently, and, and that thing's it sounds like feels it feels like a four four. 4 4 this year, and yep. I mean, on the 40. So I think it just it started to make a lot of sense. Like he's he was talking the, about it. They, they've done it before. And Fields was the second fastest quarterback ever at the combine. And the only other quarterback that was faster than him was Robert Griffin III at 4 4 1. So we'll see what happens. And, and look, before RG3 got hurt and his career was just destroyed before it started, he did get the rookie of the year and he was a hell of a hell of a rookie there. So we'll you see. Know what's what funny happens. about that? Real quickly is that that Lance feels like the better runner of the two, though. It, Lance had, uh, I know he played a softer uh, slew of teams, but but uh, Tra- Trey Lance had twenty eight passing touchdowns and zero interceptions. Yeah, Trey Lance has never thrown an interception, which because he, he only played you know a year and a, a tiny bit, and then he had eleven hundred, if I'm remembering correctly, eleven hundred rushing yards and I think fourteen TDs. So I, I get it. The competition, I understand. He fits the Niners. I, I argued this for about an hour and a half on my on my IG live <laughs> right before I came on here to talk to you guys. So uh, I, I'm in the minority inside that Niner community, and and I go live with three diehard Niner pages, and I'm the only like sense of uh, of reality because I yeah. come in from just a a total analyst perspective, no uh-huh. ties. And and I find myself saying we 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 a lot when I'm with them because I just get so amped and I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah like, I, tied I into you. it all. But I I argue with them for an hour and a half saying that why is Lance such a project? Why is Lance such a project more so compared to Fields? Why can't Lance come in in an offense where I feel like they think that they're going to open it up if they draft Fields? I'm saying that you got a, a run game that carries you, a defense that carries you. You you can only use Fields as asset so much because you're going to only throw so much with Kittle as a safety net with an amazing offensive line, top four, I would say, and a running game that you, you just can't understand it. Just, you know, no matter who's back there produces Lance would, would rush for over 10 touchdowns and, and who's to say he wouldn't be a great pocket passer in there. I like Lance a lot. I think if you draft Lance, you could start him mid season and, and just have an amazing run. I 100% agree. I uh, so I do the TCK Pod stuff at night as we're doing now. During the day, I uh, I do the product. I'm a um, back end production manager for 
Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf has his own show, the RDL show. You can catch us Monday, Wednesday, Friday, noon to one o'clock live on YouTube. And Ryan was hosting the Rich Eisen show last week. Rich was out on vacation and Ryan sit, sit in the backseat. So I was hosting his show or co-hosting his show. And Ryan was getting kind of the inside scoop around the Rich Eisen office from the insiders there that Trey Lance was the guy that the Niners were. And this is when the trade went down. But the initial buzz was that they made that move to maybe target Trey Lance. Well, about an hour and a half later, it comes out that maybe it's just a fields an hour and a half after that. It comes out that they love Mac Jones, blah, blah, blah. Assuming that Zach Wilson's gone to the jets. So look, none of us actually know shit on this. It happens every single year. It's fun to speculate, but the reality is there's five quality quarterbacks. You don't know who's actually going to be the one to, uh, to, to, to really, you know, shine above the rest. Obviously everyone expects it to be Trevor Lawrence, but We've said that about many, you many quarterbacks. So uh, we'll see what happens with the Niners. Let's move on here. Uh, we got a lot going on in Jacksonville. There's a lot of names to cover. Uh, Bobby, we'll kick it to you here. Marvin Jones heads out a couple years in, in uh, Detroit, signs a two-year deal, $14.5 million with Jacksonville. That's significant coin for a 31-year-old uh, veteran receiver. Um, we could talk about TJ Hawkinson. Terrell Williams that comes over as well, and uh, Rashad Perryman, another couple free agents. But Chris Conley um, also takes off, and then Carlos Hyde signs on as well. So there's a lot of movement here in Jacksonville. Let's focus on Marvin Jones and the Lions that he left behind. Well, I think the biggest thing with Marvin Jones is like everybody left. Kenny G's gone. The coaching staff's gone. Quarterback change. I think that's that to me is kind of a restart, complete restart. Tyrell Williams is there now with Bashard Perriman. Tyrell Williams does have some connections to Anthony Lynn from his time with the Chargers. They spent three season to, seasons together. But Tyrell Williams isn't a true number one. He isn't the guy that guys can dominate looks. He you know, averaged between 60 and 70 in those three years uh, targets with Anthony Lynn. So he doesn't seem like your typical number one. And then Bashard Perriman's kind of the same guy. You know, he's never been over, you know, 70 plus targets in a season. He's always been kind of a third receiver, but he's shown flashes throughout the year. And that's why I kind of highlighted TJ Hawkinson. It's mostly to do with the fact that, you know, Jared Goff targets the middle field relentlessly. I mean, he targeted Tyler Higby in the second half of 2019 relentlessly. He's constantly targeting Cooper Cup in the middle of the field. And I think that's where TJ Hawkinson will live. And that's why I think TJ Hawkinson of this group is to benefit. I think, you know, Hunter Henry last year was sixth in the NFL in slot targets for tight ends. So that's notable. I think that means that TJ Hawkinson is going to play a little bit more in the slot. That's where, you know, every single year Jared Goff leads the NFL in slot versus wide targets. He's always throwing at a high percentage to the slot. So I think that to me means I think TJ Hawkinson is not no longer a top three or four to five tight end, but I still think he's going to be a solid tight end one this year. And those other guys, I just don't think are going to be true number one. So I think that's why TJ Hawkinson is probably the guy that benefits the most from Marvin Jones leaving. I agree. And I, I've always liked Marvin Jones, man. He's a, he's a player's player. Uh, he's a good clubhouse guy. And I think he's going to have an opportunity uh, in Jacksonville, of course, with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback, good veteran presence. Smitty, we'll turn to you here. Um, and let's try, Let's try to make some sense here about this Raiders situation. Uh, it's an actual, absolute mess, right? So Kenyon Drake leaves the Arizona Cardinals, two-year, $11 million deal with the Raiders. Now, the Raiders obviously already have Josh Jacobs. Both these guys are, are I think, you know, put the potential of a stud fantasy running back. We've seen the upside of an RB1, um, maybe in that like RB6 to 10 is their absolute ceiling, where they're at weekly is probably closer to like 10 to 14 um, if they if they can get those touchdowns. Were you, I think everybody was shocked. Do you think this is actually going to work with Kenyon Drake and, and uh, Josh Jacobs for fantasy football? And do you think Josh Jacob is still the bona fide number one with Kenyon Drake as a backup, or is this a legitimate RBBC at this point? Look, I I'm probably the wrong guy to ask on this because I've been beating a avoid Jacobs at all cost uh, drum I'm since 100% January. With you. Uh, actually, since uh, mid season of last year, and I, I've taken a lot of heat for it. Like you know, he's so good. You but. It, you know, it, it it brewed up from it stirred up from a lot of different things. But the the week he came out and, and said, I'm not playing and posted it on Instagram. You know, I run a newswire at sleeperu.com, which uh, shameless plug. You can find just going to smitty1.com. But I have a newswire and I'm responsible for for plugging in all this news and rumors and shooting them down, talking, you know, is the confirming the rumor. And so he says, I'm not playing. 
and everybody reports on it. And, and then all of a sudden you see him warm, warming up on the field and you're like, what the, what the heck's going on here? He's trolling everybody. Right. So he ends up playing. Everybody gets upset. People that are already hot and bothered yelling at him all the time are like going at him like crazy. He, you know, flips off his, his audience on his stories with the, you know, the bird emoji and says, F your fantasy. Um, talking to his own followers. He, he just, he, he was off his rocker. And so I went after him a little bit on Instagram, not him personally, but like the situation. And he ended up blocking me on all the social media, which everyone was like going crazy on. And, and they're thinking that this is like, you know, some kind of, uh, all my reaction is based on that. And it's not, um, he went on IG and said, like, people were like, you know, I'll, I'll come meet you or whatever. And he's like giving out the stadium address. He's just, screw loose at this point you know at mid-season so i was a complete avoid walking into 2021 a he was a running back by committee rusher with nothing more than it was like 670 something at the college level he never rushed more than than that amount at the college level he was, a, he was the lesser half of a running back by committee in college granted he came in and did well at the nfl level but he's not a ppr guy he's not going to be focused on he's on a team that's very very hard to even count on or feel good about like what you know what direction they're taking any of those players or the the direction of the team he's got shoulder knee ankle injuries and without that track record of of ever being a starter at the college football level how can you expect him to come in and play 16 now 17 game seasons uh and and uh and stay healthy so complete avoid on my part did i see them signing drake no but did i see them counting on jacobs no and so I, I I don't like this for either running back. If I had to to roll with one, I'm rolling with Drake because Drake, I feel, has the momentum. Drake's probably, he's being paid kind of starter money in a sense. And he comes in and he pulls in more of the passes. That's already one third of the work. And if you figure he's going to divide up some of the running between the tackles, then he's got a, he's got more than 50% of the work already. So for me, I'm going Drake. But I'm only taking Drake late, late, late in a draft, which you should be able to do because people are just like pissed off in general and staying away from both of them. But I'd have to see Jacobs fall to a, a draft slot that is just ridiculously low for me to even consider drafting him because I, I'm just not I wasn't a fan before this at all. And it, it wasn't because he blocked me. It, I could care less about <laughs> that. It's just it was showing how lack the lack of focus and what's going on with him um, on top of all the other red flags that he already had. So I'm like it was a complete avoid for me, you know, from the start of, of or from the middle of last year. Well, and and this Raider situation's a mess, uh, Bobby. Obviously, it's going to be tough for fantasy football. But quick comments on the Raider backfield, and and uh, maybe a couple on Chase Edmonds, who I don't think anyone believes is like definitely the guy. Week one, they will bring in somebody else via trade, draft, whatever. Nonetheless, Cliff Kingsbury has not been shy about coming out to say that. When we counted on Chase Edmonds, other than injury, he was able to step up. He can be that at least early down back. So quick thoughts maybe on the Raider backfield, but then let's turn the conversation to Chase Edmonds now in Arizona with Kenyon Drake leaving. Yeah, I think Schmitty nailed on the head with uh, Drake, and, and, and so I don't even need to go that. We talked about it too last week. I think I really want to focus on is Chase Edmonds because right now he's going as the RB28 in best ball, early best ball ADP. And to me, that's like kind of insane. I know understand, I understand that they could draft the player, and I totally get that. But when I did look into it, he has nine career games with double-digit touches. He averages 13.4 points per game. So that's actually pretty strong. That'll put him firmly on the RB2 map when he's getting double-digit touches. And, you know, I think if they don't address the position, we have to start taking him seriously because currently he's going behind a guy like Josh Jacobs who's now sharing a backfield with Kenyon Drake. So I'll toss it to you guys. Who would you guys rather have if they don't add a player, Edmonds or, uh, or Josh Jacobs in the draft? Edmonds in like the fifth, as is, and it'll probably be even later when they bring somebody else in. I'm, I'm with Smitty. I'm with Smitty. I, I, he, he's talked enough. He covered all the bases as well. On this show for the last three seasons, I've never drafted Josh Jacobs at all, period. Um, and it's even more of a reason not to want him now uh, with this situation with Kenyon Drake coming in. And frankly, if Kenyon Drake gets less touches because Josh Jacobs is the early down back, it's going to be an absolute shit show for the season. But I think week 12, maybe, I could see J Kenyon Drake coming in to be the bell cow. J Josh Jacobs usually doesn't last a full season. Kenyon right. Drake yeah. could could maybe take us to the finish line anyway. And now you're getting Kenyon Drake in 
I don't know, maybe the ninth, 10th round when all said and done, when you start looking at handcuffs, I'll take somebody that I know can be an RB1. Smitty, go ahead. Yeah, I think you you kind of nailed that one. That it, it, it's going to be one of those things where if you're starting Drake early, you might get burned, lose weeks, end up losing your fantasy season because of Drake again. You know, because last year he did well, but he didn't. It was the weirdest thing in the world. Like he was in the top like seven in touchdowns, top you know seven in yardage for a big time frame, uh, just bouncing all over the place, but but not getting any PPR work. Um, but but when the season comes to like the midpoint. And if Jacobs is out of the question or out of the equation, um, then all of a sudden you have this guy that, that, you know, was hurting you now playing really, really well. So at the right cost, I like, I like Drake, but if Edmonds is the lone back, which I don't think he will be. Um, and I'm in Arizona and I know the Cardinals will definitely look to replace him. And, and, yeah. and my, my gut tells me it's going to be Chuba Hubbard or Ooh. someone of that variety. And then we have ourselves that, that AJ Dillon situation that smells a lot like AJ Dillon excited, excited, damn disappointed. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like Edmonds is just going to be, he's bet you're better off cashing in now at the current value he has that will only go up a little bit. If they don't draft a running back, it'll go up, but he's already pretty well liked and people, especially if you do a two for one, the cure for any trade that is on the fence where someone doesn't want to necessarily take on risk is to make it a complex deal. So if you add it, if you make it a two for two, two for one, uh, you can make someone buy into the Evans value that you might be able to get later if there's no other running back on the roster. So I would try and cash in and get rid of Edmonds with something to get one better player to, to get a, to move your pick from like seven to the 1.2 in a rookie draft or something. I'd use the capital now before it falls completely down like Dylan. I agree, and I don't think there's a scenario where it gets better for Chase Edmonds no matter what, because you're right. Even if they don't bring anyone else in, which we all think they will, it won't get better. It'll just stay the same. So I agree with you. Smitty will do that. All right, let's turn the page. Uh, one of Kenyon Drake's former teams, the Miami Dolphins, bring in Will Fuller. Of course, played half a season. The second half, he was suspended with PEDs. He's going to miss the first week of the season. So technically, Will Fuller could still play a full 16-game season, which he has yet to do. But he signs a one-year, $10 million deal with Miami. Uh, Brandon Cooks and now Chris Connolly, Randall Cobb, You know, again, not uh, favorable for fantasy. But Brandon Cooks, if Deshaun Watson's still around, and, and look, for sake of time and sake of the lack of knowledge we actually have, we're not going to dive into the Deshaun Watson situation. Let's talk to him, talk about him as a player on the field. How do we feel about – Bobby, I'll go to you. How do you feel about Will Fuller quickly? I know we talked about this last week, but more so Brandon Cooks now as the bona fide number one in uh, Houston. Well, first of all, shout out to me. He did like a 30-minute like a video on Deshaun Watson. I saw the video on YouTube. So if you want to go check it out, his thoughts, it's out there. Go check it out on YouTube. Uh, for Brandon Smitty Cooks – Smitty1.com, ladies and gentlemen. Smitty1.com. Yeah, we're team players here. We just we promote everyone. All yes, the time, sir. plugs everywhere. So the one thing I'll say about this is the thing about Brandon Cooks is that we saw glimpses last last year when Will Fuller got suspended. What he could do. Let's assume Deshaun Watson's playing. I totally understand. There's a lot going on, but let's assume he does play. Brandon Cooks and I had to double check the numbers. He was the number three wide receiver in points per game over the last five weeks of the season at 18.9 wow. points per game in half point PPR. He was awesome, and we've seen Brandon Cooks over plenty of years, have very good borderline wide receiver one seasons, but they didn't add a guy to replace Will Fuller. And it's going to be – as of today, it's Brandon Cooks. I understand the drafting to go through and all that, but this team is, is very thin on capital. And I also want to just talk about Chris Conley. I know he's not a, a big-time sexy name, but we saw Chad Hansen, and I'm not talking about Umbop. I'm talking about like a real player on the football field. This guy was actually kind of borderline fantasy relevant over the last five weeks playing in that role for Will Fuller alongside Brandon Cooks. So I think Chris Connolly, who had one season with KC and Patrick Mahomes at 10 yards per target, has shown that he can play at a decent level. So he could be a deeper name, especially if Watson comes back and they're rolling out these guys. I think Chris Connolly could be someone at the end of drafts that could be playing with a high, uh, a great quarterback. And Tim Kelly's coming back to the OC, so you know they're going to be aggressive. So I do like Brandon Cooks. And right now he's going in like the eighth round in best ball ADPs. So if that stays the same, you're getting an absolute value for him if he's the number one receiver in Houston. 
when he's able to be healthy, man, he has been over a thousand yards multiple seasons, continues to get drafted in the middle rounds. I mean, you're able to get Brandon Cooks, whether they bring in somebody else or not. I'm probably in like the what sixth, seventh, eighth round, and he has weak winning upside. Now he's a little bit risky. He's got a a big thing that you know, I don't really talk we don't talk a lot about injuries unless it's somebody like Joe Burrow or Dak Prescott coming off of a gnarly injury into the season. We have to communicate about that. Brandon Cooks has been able to stay healthy for the most part. The problem with him is he's got a concussion issue. And the NFL has finally started cracking down on concussions. The reality is, my understanding is Brandon Cooks is literally one documented concussion away from maybe them shutting him down, period, uh, for his health in general. And uh, that is an issue. But, of course, we can't control injuries, and you don't necessarily draft according to that uh, because concussions are not something that's injury-prone per se, uh, but just something to mention uh, with him. Uh, Smitty, we got a couple more names here, man, and I know we're getting yeah, long in the tooth here. Appreciate it, say, yeah, please. You don't, you don't want to talk about or you're going to not talk about the Deshaun Watson stuff, but and I won't go into the details on that, but if we're going to try and predict and project for Cooks, I can't I can't avoid it. Um, Go ahead. At least avoid the option, the very strong possibility that Deshaun Watson doesn't play in 2021. So therefore, I can't objectively evaluate Cooks on a pot. You know, I have to take that into consideration. So I, it, words can't even come out of my mouth that let's pretend he plays. Wh- where do I value Cooks? Because then you. I'm telling somebody they need to go value Cooks at this level. And I, I just can't do that. And to your point about concussions, to your point about what happens if there's no quarterback there, there's a lot of worries, multiple red flags that make me say, you know, there probably is a safer option in the eighth round, in my opinion. But I get it. Looking at the at the at the numbers, like Bobby said, he he did really well. Like, you know, at the right price, I'm probably back in, but maybe the eighth round isn't isn't that spot for me. I like it. I, I do like the uh the later round high upside yeah. guy potentially who could I mean he can go off for 35 points in a given week. So I appreciate that late round, you know, our wide receiver three upside. All right, Smitty, we'll get back to you here. Um, let's go with another double dipper here on you. We'll talk about this New England Patriots situation. So they bring in two tight ends, of course, John Smith and Hunter Henry. Uh, but let's talk about the absence of John o in Tennessee. So again, we're going to turn this around a little bit. There's been a lot of talk about the New England situation. Maybe let's skip that a little bit. Let's talk more about what it means for Tennessee, AJ Brown, and potentially Anthony Ferkser. And as of right now, it's only AJ Brown and Anthony Ferkser. Obviously, they're going to bring in more names, probably via the draft at this point. But how are we feeling about Tennessee with John o. Smith leaving AJ Brown and Anthony Ferkser, the next guys up? They, yeah, they definitely fill the void somewhere, shape, or form. But I love it. I mean, AJ Brown, he was one of my biggest bold predictions for 2020. And, and he just, you know, he's a monster. He's just an absolute monster. You're going to, he's going to, he's the most productive and efficient player for guys not getting, you know, X number of targets. And he's competing with everybody with less target share. Imagine if he gets fed more, um, the, the, the space, this guy dominates, when he's out on the field, he's completely dominates all defenders and, and manhandles them. It reminds me so much. I, I, I got ripped apart for calling him the next Calvin Johnson because Calvin Johnson's taller, but I don't really care that there's a, a size difference in terms of, or a height difference. He is pound for pound as big as Calvin Johnson was. And he's really aside from a few inches pound for pound as big as DK Metcalf at the same bench. He's standing right next to him in that shirtless photo where they're flexing and everyone's talking about DK. The dude right next to him is just as big. He's just a little shorter, and his name's AJ Brown. And he got no respect in that photo. It makes me kind of salty. And uh, AJ Brown to me is top five bound if he stays healthy. Um, I love that. You know, I and I, I don't know what else they're going to do. I don't think adding a rookie is going to threaten taking that upside away because Corey Davis was a veteran. He was polished and he, you know, he had his role. I don't think anybody they bring in is going to threaten the newfound target share that, that AJ Brown is going to consume. I like that. I like that a lot. And Bobby, I want you to kind of compound on this a little bit. So one of the receivers they did bring in so far who has not really gotten an opportunity just yet, but I have, I've, I've been kind of batting for him for the last three years. It's Josh Reynolds who was buried on the depth chart behind Cooper Cup and Robert Woods with the Rams. But now he gets an opportunity, still just 26 years old. 
gets an opportunity one-year deal with Tennessee. So as of right now, he's the number two. Again, we'll see what happens moving forward. So compound on Josh Reynolds, are you interested in him being a number three and a four, now moving in maybe a second role? And also let's talk about A.J. Brown's former teammate, Corey Davis, who moved on town to the uh, New York football Jets and you know what that might look for him. So let's just kind of wrap up the Titans, and then we'll get last comments here from Smitty, and then we'll get out of here. So Josh Reynolds goes to Tennessee. Corey Davis leaves Tennessee to head to the New York Jets. Yeah, I, I, I'm more on the A.J. Brown train. I, I think it's just an opportunity for them to – Ryan Tannehill to lean on him more. Corey Davis was an established receiver on that team, and he had some years with Ryan Tannehill, that coaching staff. And, you know, Josh Reynolds is coming in. He's the new guy. And I understand he could take, you know, 75% of the targets that Corey Davis has. But I'm, I'm with Smitty on this one. I think I'm going to be – I'm looking at A.J. Brown. I think he has a true opportunity to monopolize some of those targets and start getting into that 130 range, maybe 120, 130 more consistently at the end of the season. And now we're talking a real, real legit top five wide receiver. And then at the tight end position, I know it's not – you know, when we're, when we're talking about the tight end 10 to 12 or 8 to 12 – these guys are not, you know, that consistent overall. But Anthony Ferksner, for what it's worth, the one game that he didn't play with John Smith, he had five for 50 and seven targets. And tight end landscape, especially a PPR league, that's definitely doable. That's a win. That's a tight end that gets you by. I'm not saying you're going to be drafting Anthony Ferksner, but if they move forward and they don't go out and draft a guy in day one or day two at the wide receiver or tight end position, I think Anthony Ferksner, to me, is someone you can look at because outside of A.J. Brown, who on that team has the established report? Derrick Henry has yet to show that they're going to lean on him in the passing game. And they're kind of using the same offense with promoting Todd Downing. So I think it's going to be A.J. Brown. And then after that, you know, there's all these targets are up for grabs. I like it. Any thoughts on Corey Davis really quickly in New York? Me personally? Oh, with Corey Davis, in New- I mean, we kind of covered this in the last episode. But I, like I touched on too, he's got the Kyle Shanahan scheme is going over to the New York Jets, and you know it's going to be really the Mike Lafleur scheme with the Matt Lafleur and all them have been with Shanahan's for years. So I think Corey Davis, listen, prior to the last couple seasons, you know the Shanahan's have been known to have a true X receiver, a dominant outside guy, Andre Johnson to Julio Jones had a 200 target season. I'm not saying Corey Davis is one of those guys, but there's an opportunity for him to monopolize touches. Uh, and uh, receipt receptions out there. And I think with Denzel Mims there, you know, he was co- the previous coaching staff. You also have the Jameson Crowder slash Keelan Cole thing going on in the slot. Chris Hernan at tight end. You know, there's no one really established yet. So I think Corey Davis has shown that he, he knows the office because Matt LaFleur installed that offense in Tennessee in 2018. So there is familiarity. His own brother, Mike LaFleur's brother, you know, coached this guy. So I do think there's going to be some familiarity for him. And he has shown that he could be, I don't know if he can actually be a true number one yet, but there's going to be targets for him to earn for the Jets. Don't be if shocked if Mims turns into a, a, a legit that's my dog. You know, low-end wide receiver one in fantasy. I mean, the tough part is when I say low-end wide receiver one, there's about 15, 18 guys <laughs> that fit into that. You know, I, I, ne- I can never fit them all. Yeah. You know, we, well, there's, there's more than 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, low end tight end one is like to nineteen like 40. or something. It's like, <laughs> it's like forty guys. Yeah. It's like when I rank my followers' teams uh, when we do mock drafts, I'm like, oh, you're top six. You're top. I give out like eight or nine top six rankings. You know, just to yeah. Just like, you're all you're all a B plus. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets a trophy. But Mim, Mims to me is going to be a forgotten man now. I agree. Rookies and wide receivers, especially quarterbacks, especially all positions, I guess, but. But there's a small window of time, like Nikhil Harry's window is probably closed or very, very close to closing, where if it hasn't happened yet, you're so far behind it. Not only you have to catch up, but you still have to mature to, you know, at the same rate you would have if you were getting all the the work and reps and and progress that you were. Yeah. Mims has a, a, I mean, it's only one year. Receivers can break out in their third year. It's now it's one and a half or one or the rookie year. But, but Mims, coming out was one of my favorite wide receivers in this draft class it's different in a different way, but similar to how Jamar chase just manhandles people around him. I always say Jamar chase is the one player coming out that I've ever seen that literally manhandles people before the jump ball opportunity even takes place. You'll see Jamar chase catch a lot of footballs by himself, but it's because he did all the domination spatial domination beforehand and takes care of business and goes up and gets the jump ball by himself. Awesome. Um, DK will do all the the work, you know, in in the air 
you know, fighting people. Mims is a different style, but spatial intelligence, the ability to use defenders uh, to catch footballs and, and catch impossible footballs. And he's always like vertical. He's always horizontal. Like he's all over the place. I like Mims a lot. He got hurt. He didn't have the right support. He still may not. Who knows? But if he gets the right quarterback in there, like a, a Wilson, the sky's the limit for Mims. And you can buy him at, you know, if he's if he disappoints, who cares? Like you're not you're not paying anything, you know, to, to invest in Mims right now. So Corey Davis is getting paid bank though. Um 20, $37.5 million contract, 27 million guaranteed. That is a lot of money. So they're definitely going to use him, but I think Mims is going to be the better guy. I I 100 percent agree with you, man. He is definitely, and you know, we're not there yet in the season already, but he's already on my early sleeper list. I mean, like it's easy with this with this incredible rookie class that we saw last year. It's so easy to have a guy like Mems literally just not be on the list at all. He was completely forgotten. Terrible coaching. Sam Darnold was rough all season long. The offense was tough. He got injured, blah, blah, blah. New coaching staff, probably a new quarterback. Even if it's Darnold, it's going to be a, a fresh season with them. You're right. They're paying Corey Davis as a number one, but Mims is a great number two, and it might only it might even benefit him this season to be the number two versus try to be the number one coming off of last year's uh, you know kind of half-ass season. So if Corey Davis is the one and they treat him like that in the offense, and Mims is getting single coverage and he's able to make some opportunities, Smitty, I 100% agree with you on that. And the good news is that he's he's going to have a, a rookie quarterback most likely coming in. That's going to build that that instant rapport, fresh rapport, clean slate type rapport with them, and they can grow together. So it's kind of like he's there from the start. You know, it's not like he has to to try and learn from a quarterback he doesn't know, or that Corey Davis has some advantage. I mean, it's going to be who Wilson favors that's going to grow with them and become that one there. So you know, if Mims can stay healthy, which is you know, I guess the only concern we'd have at this point, even though I I don't think he has any kind of reason to think he's going to keep getting hurt, but Sky's the limit for him if he can stay healthy. But Corey Davis is a good uh, good wide receiver. This Jets team, if they don't punt their future at number two and do something stupid, uh, this Jets team could turn things around, especially, you know, Salah was a good signing, good coach. I really yeah. like him. Um, they brought in, uh, was it Mike LaFleur yeah. um, as well yeah. from the Niners? They know, they're going to put a really good, solid foundation in place. And if they draft, imagine if they draft, Zach Wilson and then take ETN or Zach Wilson and Najee Harris. This entire offense looks different from the jump. And, and then they start making other moves and improving it and cultivating it. And there's never been a better cure. And I get this argument from, from people when they come at me and say that the Bengals are drafting an offensive lineman, no matter what I've been saying this for months and, and I, everybody goes right at my throat. They're going to draft an offensive line. Why would they not do that? Burrow just got hurt. They got to keep them upright. And I've been saying it over and over. I was doing a clubhouse uh, uh, debate on it too the other day. Nothing is better for the protection of Joe Burrow in the offensive line than getting Jamar Chase on roster because he stretches the field. He pulls def defenders. He, he's double teamed probably every time. Stretches defenses out. That helps the offensive line. It helps protect uh, the quarterback. And that's why Joe Burrow's pushing to get Jamar Chase, his former wide receivers, former college football uh, teammate, the guy he knows better than anybody on that roster so they can build that. They don't have to build a rapport. They have the rapport. And and so I forget where I was even going with it. <laughs> no, but, no but the importance no. of, of the, the Bengals offense. I hear you. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, think, I think a great example is the Cowboys. They draft. They had Gallup and they had Cooper. They draft Ceedee Lamb. The offensive line for the Cowboys the first couple we started crumbling, but Dak's still oh, putting yeah. up big numbers because they have all these weapons, and that's a perfect example of what you're saying. Yeah. So what my point here is, everyone's saying, "Well, the Jets still have awful, awful offensive line. The Jets still have awful defense." When you have a potent offense, when you get Zach Wilson in there, you have capable wide receivers. Zach Wilson's in there. Najee Harris or Etn is running and, and well, what about the offensive line? Again, that helps the offensive line and a better offense then makes for a better defense, a better defense feeds back. And it's like a, a cascading effect that people think is just, it has to be player specific. It's a whole unit. And, and when I always give this example, when Kurt Warner came to Arizona, we had an awful offensive line. And as soon as he came, it was like putting flex seal right on all the holes Ooh. immediately. Because, <sighs> Spread out the not, not a sponsor. Quick release, 
They need yeah. to be quick relief. <laughs> and it was like it was like the best offensive line in the world, seeming. And and, and even though it was a facade in some ways, it's an example of how the role players, the important role players, can spread out a defense. And then that in turn, you can coach up your current offensive line. They're they're not getting blitzed all the time or seeing eight-man front after eight-man front, uh, getting beat up all game long. It's I, I'm excited for the Jets. I'm excited for the Bengals. I predict the Bengals take Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, and, yeah. and I predict the Jets take a running back with that second pick to pair with uh, uh, Zach Wilson. Love it, man. Smitty, it's been an absolute pleasure, brother. I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you for joining us for the AFC Free Agency Backward episode. Before you get out of here, man, please, again, let everybody know on the TCK pod where they can get all of your content. Yeah, I mean, the main thing I'm plugging right now is my 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 new show every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 p.m. Eastern to 7 p.m. Eastern. You can find it at smitty1.com, which will link you to my YouTube. It's on my YouTube, so when I go live, if your notifications are on, You'll know that I'm live, but it's 4 p.m., 7 p.m. every Tuesday and Thursday. I'm eventually going to roll that bad boy out Monday through Friday. I'm just trying to wet my beak a little bit, not bite off uh, more than I can chew because I've got so many. I did a calculation because I kept using these arbitrary numbers that I made up. How many hours a week? Because I, 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 I do this full time. I have for 18 years. How many hours a week I plug into my show? And I think it was 111 hours a week is how many hours I put into my show because I actually tallied it for a whole week. And and uh, so not to say that I can't handle a Monday through Friday show, but I'm doing all kinds of other lives and, and podcasts and interviews and things like that. So I'll have to try to move things around. But eventually it will be a Monday through Friday. Uh, I'd like to have you guys on at some point. I do need regular guests to kind of funnel through. So I'll reach out to you guys uh, once the show gets a, a rhythm going because this will be episode two on Thursday. Um, but but my goal with it is to become the staple listen, watch, drive time, listen and, and watch for people. Hopefully not while you're driving, but you're listening. You're pulling over. <laughs> you're so entertained. You got to see what's going on. Right. Um, but but I hope that that it becomes, you know, the the uh, staple of what I do and, and becomes the the monster product uh, that I'm cranking out. So I'm very excited about it. It's it's a three hour show. It's all fluid. Converse, you know, it's not. I'm not doing a live stream talking to my my chat like I do at night. I do those lives too, but it's a full blown show call in. So I'll have you guys on at some point. We'll figure out something because uh, I definitely need to rotate some people through and get those regular guests on to fill up oh, the three hours. Count, <laughs> count us in, count us yeah. in, brother. You know, you know, we're game. We got two more on our side too. Uh, Dweez Nuts and uh, Lucas Case are also on the team, and all four of us are always down to contribute anytime. So feel free to reach out, man. And uh, look, if we can rock another show in the near future, excellent. If not, we'll get you back on this season as well. Again, it's been a long time coming. Smitty, we know you're incredibly busy. You just mentioned you've been doing this for 18 years full-time. Anybody that follows your content knows that you're an absolute animal in the best way I can say that uh, and just we we just commend your work. We appreciate what you do. Follow you on multiple channels, and you're always active. So we know how hard it is to do one episode, uh, and you're doing multiple per day. Uh, you know, dad life, and and I respect that. So appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much for jumping hey, on the TCK pod. It. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, have a good night. We'll do it soon. You as well, brother. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, my man Smitty. Finally makes it on the TCK pod. Bobby and I have been talking about this for a real long time, but we finally got Joe Volpe on last week, a.k.a. Fantasy Football Analyst. If you haven't followed him yet on Instagram at fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram and, of course, his good buddy Smitty on smitty1.com. And, of course, you can find him on Instagram and everywhere else at the Fantasy Football Show. Bobby, man, we crammed a lot of information uh, into this episode. Uh, There's a handful of names that we didn't even cover, and frankly, um, I'm not sure that we needed to. Uh, There are a handful of moves. Maybe we'll get into those on Thursday. But on Thursday, we'll be diving into the NFC side of things. We'll do it again. So any final comments before we get out of here? No, I love having these guys on. It's been awesome. You know, one thing I want to talk about we did not touch on. It's LaVisca Chennault. Keelan Cole left. He went to the Jets. LaVisca Chanel is going to take over in the slot. Here's a nugget for you to end the show on. His yards per route run, he was 1.76 in the slot versus 1.55 overall. 
He was much better in the slot. Now, with Marvin Jones and DJ Chark, those are outside receivers. That means logically Chenault could take over as the primary slot receiver in this offense, a perfect fit for Urban Meyer. I think in, in the Jaguars vacated uh, – let's see, I have it on here. Let me pull it up. Uh, 260 targets from last year. That's insane amount. Not all those are going to go to Marvin Jones. I think LaVisca Chenault is someone to monitor in drafts. One of the guys I'll be targeting late as well, my man Josh Reynolds, another one of my deeper sleepers. We talked about Denzel Mims, potentially another guy like a KJ Hamler, as we mentioned, if we can get another bona fide quarterback in Denver. There's much more to cover. We will be back with you on Thursday to break down the NFC side of things with fantasy football backward. It's been an absolute pleasure. Shouts out to our boy Smitty. Once again, go check out smitty1.com. We appreciate his time and energy. For my man, Bobby LaMarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram. He writes all over the place as well. I am your host, Sky Guasco. You can find me at my name, S-K-Y-G-U-A-S-C-O on Twitter and at Fantasy Football underscore T-C-K pod on Instagram. It's a long one, y'all. Appreciate you sticking with us. We are the Candlestick Kids, and we'll catch you on Thursday, 8 p.m. Pacific time. We'll be live. We'll catch you then. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.